I'm Father Mitch Paqua, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from around the world. Our guest tonight hasn't come from too far away in the world. She has actually been with EWTN for a good number of years, and in fact, this year marks her program's 20th anniversary on our network. Through her show, Women of Grace, on TV and radio, in addition to writing books and leading conferences and retreats, she's been inspiring women all around the world to go deeper into their faith, move more into their love of Christ, and the way their femininity affects their various vocations. To continue that push, this year she's started a new series on Women of Grace. These are teaching shows with the theme of Journeys with Jesus. And you can see these every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on EWTN. And you can also see them anytime you want at our on-demand page at ondemand.ewtn.com. So it's ondemand.ewtn.com or even go to the EWTN app for your phones. Here to tell us more all about it, please welcome Johnette Williams. Johnette. My father, how are you? It's nice to have you on my set this time. Oh, well, You've had me you. so often on yours, it's nice to have you here on mine. Yes, I really enjoy being your guest all of the time, Father. We never lack for things to talk about no, when we get no. together, and I'm grateful to God for the opportunity to be with you and all of our viewers and uh, our guests that are here with us tonight as well. You know, this is uh, it's an important milestone, 20 years. Uh, you know, I don't think I Love Lucy was on that long. <laughs> Well, just just as a matter of correction, Women of Grace has been on EWTN since 2010. Prior to that, we did 17 years of the Abundant Life, and prior to that, I did three 13-week series. But we began the apostolic outreach of Women of Grace uh, back in October of 2003. Okay. So we're celebrating 20 years of that apostolic work in helping women to grace. understand. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because mm -hmm. that's also an organization. It is. It's not only a program. The mm -hmm. program was actually named after the organization. That's right. So both the television program that you referenced and the radio program that is aired by EWTN Radio and carried by so many good affiliates throughout the United States and on various platforms, mm -hmm. also named uh, for, for the apostolate. Mm -hmm. And that was really at the network's request. So uh, it's been a great opportunity for us to be able to, you know, Advance the cause for authentic femininity, what it really means to be a woman. This is definitely something that is a source of confusion, um, as everyone should be aware if they're not. Uh, one of the candidates who is now on the Supreme Court was asked what is a woman and didn't give an answer, being one herself. Uh, she still didn't answer, and, I, and that wasn't because she's ignorant. She's not. She's a very intelligent woman, but it's politically incorrect, or there are political landmines mm -hmm. in trying to answer that question. So this is not a problem for you. You don't feel quite so confused. <laughs> 
I don't think that I've ever really been confused about what it means to be a woman or how to differentiate between a man and a woman. Yeah. Father, you know, we're yeah. living in a very peculiar time right now. And I think it's all related really to what we read in Genesis 3.15, you know, and in the midst of, of man's depravity, God comes and, and he basically tells them what the consequences of the actions are. And he starts with the serpent mm -hmm. and he tells them, I will put enmities between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. Um, you will strike at her heel and she will crush your head. That's the Latin Vulgate uh, uh, translation of that. But what we understand right from the very beginning, the dawn of human history is that there is a battle that rages over the woman, mm -hmm. the woman. Ultimately, we know that the battle is between the evil one and our blessed lady because she birthed salvation into the world through our Lord Jesus Christ, her son, uh, who is our redeemer and savior. But she plays a part in God's economy of salvation. And so this angst against woman is something that is primordial. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time. In recent times... And, and I might add, it mm -hmm. goes all the way to the end of time because you see that battle between the ancient serpent, That's right. Satan, and the woman. That's right. You know, in Revelation chapter 12. Mm -hmm. It's exactly true. So, I mean, it's interesting to me because, you know, woman and the woman bookend scripture. She's in the very first, you know, book of scripture, Genesis, and in the last, in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And I think in modern times, and this was one of the reasons that gave impetus to the rise of the, the apostolate to women, women of grace, uh, in my time of prayer, I was just sensing this uh, urgency in my heart and really prevailing um, experience of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and about our, 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 our condition as women in the world today. Mm -hmm. And 20 years ago, uh, we well remember it. We were in the midst of, of a codification of all that the radical feminist movement had been about. We had seen women make great strides into all of the professions which they have a right to occupy mm -hmm. uh, by, by virtue of the gifts and talents that God entrusts to them. But, but what we were seeing was this eradication of the reality of who woman is in her, in, in, in the very essence of her being. And so what was being heralded at that time, and I think it was very much depicted in corporate culture and in the way in which fashion oftentimes imitates the, you know, the zeitgeist kind of imitates what, what is out there in the air. Um, we, we saw this tendency to masculinize woman. So the idea was that if you wanted to make it in, in corporate life, that you had to adopt a very masculine mindset. Uh, you mm -hmm. had to leave your femininity and all of the gifts that attend to that to the side uh, to become more like a man. And of course, we know what was trumpeted at that time. Uh, and, and this was really part of what happened, uh, you know, in the 60s with the with the beginning of the radical feminist movement uh, in, in more recent times was that, you know, you, you the, the great enemy of the woman was her capacity to bear life you know, her capacity to have children. So that part of her being had to be shut down. So birth control pill, of course, uh, front and center um, in, in all of the women's magazines and front and center really in doctor's offices at the time. Mm -hmm. And then as we began to see, and by 2003 when we started our, uh, our work, uh, already codified by law, you know, the, the supposed right to kill the child in your womb through the grace of God, we've seen that overturned, but a lot of the fallout that we're experiencing is as a result of that right move sure. by the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, this is um, something, it certainly reminds me of, uh, a lot of folks are upset uh, and 
you know, this is a, a difficult time because the, it was so ingrained <laughs> culturally that it's a woman's right. You'll uh, often hear the president and other politicians insisting it's a woman's right to abort her, her child. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, dealing with the loss of a perceived right, you know, brings a lot of anger. And so we, we see that anger permeating. But it was, uh, this is where understanding uh, things about the law that, you know, this was based on a very, very faulty uh, assumption mm -hmm. that there is a right to privacy in the Constitution that's not there. It's just, it doesn't exist. And when you create that right, all these other shadow rights right. come along right. with it. And uh, in fact, uh, have you ever read the decision where they created the right to privacy? I don't think I have. It's it, it, it said this way, that the right to privacy is found in the penumbra of the emanations of the rights found in the Bill of Rights. The now think about that. The, the emanation in the emanation of the of penumbra. The <laughs> emanations of the rights found in the Bill of Rights. A penumbra is a shadow. It's a mm -hmm. Latin word. It sounds better, but uh, to lawyers. But uh, a penumbra is just a shadow. It's just being shadow in Latin. And so in the shadow of emanations from rights in the Bill of Rights, rights don't <laughs> emanate. You know, um, I, I, when I read that and you know, examined it, I said, you know, I could put you at the south end of a cow. You'll be in the shadow of all kinds of emanations. <laughs> I don't know that you'll like them, but they'll be there. And that's about as valuable as that decision. Yeah. And that's the shadow of emanations is used to take away that femininity. Yes. That's that's yes. that's what's key here. Mm -hmm. And you know, to help folks realize that it's not just this invention of a right, but it's a destructive yes. process. Well, it is, and I think that um, obviously we're seeing this, and, and if we really take a strong look at what the radical feminists of the 60s were all about, it was for the annihilation of the feminine, total mm -hmm. annihilation mm -hmm. of it. And as a result of that, I think that we've seen this continuous kind of, um, uh, what is the word that I want to use, disassembling of our, of our notion of who woman is. So it's not unusual. I think that it's almost predictable that we would have uh, someone uh, in, the, in the position of becoming a Supreme Court justice who would say she can't define what a woman is. Uh, Even though she's a woman and mother yes, herself. Yes, because, because the essence of the woman is what has been under attack. And so now we see transgenderism. Uh, you know, and, and I think that we could probably talk about this on a philosophical level, too, and talk about the various philosophies that play into the, the, the substance of what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the great heresies is certainly present there, you know, Gnosticism, mm -hmm. uh, is, is, and relativism, they're, they're definitely part of that. But when you consider that, 
Um, what do you have in, in transgenderism? It's really about an annihilation of the feminine. You have a man who will never be a woman. It's totally impossible mm -hmm. to change the reality of who we are. It's written into our DNA. Um, it forms the, the, the deepest part of, of our being. And so you have this individual now uh, mutilating his body, trying to make it into something it can never be. And what he ends up with is really a caricature, a mm. mockery of the feminine, mm -hmm. right? So here we see that. On the other side, we have a woman who mutilates her body, uh, attempting to become something she can never be, a man. And in so doing, she completely destroys the, 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 the biological aspect of her being. So we end up with this kind of, of deconstruction of who the feminine is in terms of appearance, but more definitively in terms of, of the, the, the sensibility, the genius of the, woman. The, there's uh, this other element that you bring up about the, in, in our DNA. You know, at the, at the level of every single cell, of course there are billions in the body, of, at every single cell, you have a code to be XX and a woman mm -hmm. or XY and a man. And it's not in specific organs no. of the body, primary or secondary sexual organs. It's in every single cell. That's right. And you cannot change that. It's impossible. And even the attempt to give the hormones of the opposite sex to somebody and this when you think about this it's the body of an XY chromosome boy expects testosterone to stimulate the way these cells work and the the chromosome structure of a girl who's double X it, her body expects there to be estrogen. It's made for that. Mm -hmm. And if you start infusing, you might change certain features, but the cells are not going to respond well. And especially to children, you reduce their life expectancy by 50%. My goodness. Did you know that? I don't think that I had heard that statistic. It's, this that's is, frightening. This is based on longitudinal studies in Sweden where they've been doing this for 30 years. And that now they stopped because they've learned that you give the incorrect hormones to a body, you reduce their life expectancy hmm. by 50 percent and that doesn't even include the rate of suicide which goes up by 20 times among people who have these so-called sex change operations yeah. they tell they scare parents your child if they don't if you don't do the sex change they're going to commit suicide and that's based on reports by one psychologist in Boston. But the larger studies show that it's after the procedures 
that you get 20 times the rate of suicide, something like 45 percent. And this is very dangerous. So, you, and you—it means you're talking about reducing life expectancy to 35 or so. This is not. It, 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 that's how destructive it is. It's very destructive. Uh, and, you know, you citing those statistics tells us just how destructive it is on that level. But I think that on a psychological level and an emotional right. level, uh, obviously this is what drives people to suicide. Uh, and you cannot, you can't, listen, our God's created us in a certain way for a certain purpose, a certain mission. It's related to how it is that he's had us in his mind from all eternity. And when we start to mess around with that, we end up in dire straits. Uh, and so I think, you know, the, the work that we're doing with women today is very important because we want to equip them to be who it is that God's called them to be. Uh, I go back always to that uh, particular closing message to women from the Second Vatican Council and uh, Pope Paul VI, now saint, through the mouth of one of his cardinals, proclaimed to women, you know, reconcile men with life. Uh, we beseech you, uh, hold back the hand of man who in a moment of folly might destroy human civilization. Women of the entire universe, you to whom life has been entrusted at this grave moment. And it ends with these words, it is for you to save the peace of the world. Now, I find that very interesting. And so taking those words uh, literally uh, would, would encourage us to do something about the current plight that we face. But it all begins with woman understanding who she is in the eyes of God and what her capacity, her power, her influence, her effect can be in the world of man. The Center for Disease Control has been sounding the alarm for the last couple of months about the tragic and rapid increase of suicidal ideas, mm -hmm. what they call suicidal ideation, among girls especially. Well, the, the young women today, uh, our teenagers, um, our, our pubescent girls, you know, our middle schoolers, uh, right. are just being indoctrinated with this. Yes. And there has never been historically uh, this, this outbreak of gender, supposed gender dysphoria uh, among women, among girls. It's always been something that's been more centered towards boys. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we've got this explosive percentage of young girls. It's because they're being targeted. And we have to understand that. And as women, we have to do something about that. Uh, and we deal with all of the euphemisms that attend to this whole situation, such as uh, something being gender affirming. There is nothing gender affirming <laughs> about this whole concept of transgenderism. It's affirming no gender, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, it, I, I think there are two things. One, the head of the department that does these transgender uh, operations at Vanderbilt University Hospital let the cat out of the bag and said this this is uh, financing our whole department that's right exactly mm -hmm. there's a financial and he I don't know that he planned to get that out in the public but it got out there because he said it mm -hmm. so there's there's that element there's the element of Planned Parenthood is going is now designated as the primary distributor of the hormone treatments, which once you begin, it'll last your whole life. Mm. You don't, you can't stop. No. 
except uh, a, a great peril. So that's going to be financing them as well. And then the third thing is that this is a way to get people to volunteer to make themselves sterile. You can't have babies after this. You can't be, or, nor can you sire a child. No. And let's think about that for a moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's very anti-life, right? Absolutely. The whole thing is about um, population control, reducing the number of individuals. So, you know, neither a transgendered woman, um, if she's gone through with surgery, nor uh, a man who has had the surgery done as well, uh, are able to conceive children. Um, we've got the hormones that are being given to young girls in birth control pills, many of whom have difficulty conceiving children when they come, uh, become married uh, because they've been on birth control pill for 20 years. You know, since adolescence? Since adolescence. So it closes down their capacity or greatly diminishes it if it doesn't close it down altogether. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have abortion. And you talk about money. I'll never forget, Father Mitch, years ago uh, when we were producing The Abundant Life, I had Dr. William Brennan uh, on our program. And he had written a book called Dehumanizing the Vulnerable. It was a very telling book, very amazing book, wonderful man. And he provided me with a copy of an article that had been published in 1970, I believe it was, by the California Medical uh, Journal. It was the California Medical Journal. And in there, there was an article about uh, the fact that abortion could be a very lucrative endeavor for uh, obstetrician gynecologists to engage in. And in that particular journal, it outlined what was going to be necessary to make this into a law. And the very first thing they said is, we all know that life begins at conception. However, we have to change the public notion of that. So we are going to say that life begins at implantation. And they outlined the entire plan in this medical journal. And of course, it was followed. And here we are today. Mm -hmm. And this, again, the same pattern. It's lucrative. That's right. And it promotes the reduction of population precisely at a time. Again, folks don't know what's all going on, but places like China are now settling into what may be a demographic winter. Mm -hmm. Their population is collapsing rapidly. And this is going on in places all over the world. And the, I, I'm concerned about the next generation. It'll be two generations from now that'll feel the full impact. They won't have the workers or the population to buy product. No, it, it's, it's gone. And we already are experiencing that somewhat here, which mm -hmm. is why politicians of both parties need people to come here uh, quickly yes. from other, because we don't have the workers or the customers. Yeah. We've dipped below the percentage of individuals being born to sustain uh, our country. Exactly. But as well as our civilization. Right. And this is one of the reasons why civilizations disappear. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this gets at something that you bring up. This denial of the feminine and the lack of, you know, exaltation of the feminine. Uh, 
is not just about an individual's rights. It's about whether a civilization survives mm -hmm. or not. Yes. This is where you, your whole point about the key role that woman has yes. in e for even society to continue. Mm -hmm. This is something that, again, the Chinese to just attacked, That's you right. know, with the, their one-child policy since, what, that was the 80s? I think that was back in the 80s. I, yeah. They've reversed that, of course, uh, because they're they're facing what you're talking about right. now. But, so they, but it's too late. It's, they, oh, it's too yeah, late, it's too for, late for, for the them, current for, moment. Yeah, the, and now women in China, you know, have bought into not having children. They don't want to have children, and the the, the collapses moving apace. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think that uh, we see a lot of Western Europe falling into the same pit. Yes. As China has fallen into, I think I heard a statistic that there are more cats in Rome than there are babies. I'm sure that that's true. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is a very difficult uh, moment, and yet you know I have great faith and hope in God, <laughs> and I trust in Him, and and I do believe that you know to the extent that we can help women to understand who she is, it's it's bringing her back to to that notion. Of, of the the very special gift that is hers by way of her femininity. John Paul II called it the feminine genius. And I was sharing with you right before we went on the air that I watched a movie last evening uh, on Edith Stein. And uh, of course, uh, St. Edith Stein, a great phenomenologist, a great mm -hmm. philosopher, mm -hmm. murdered uh, you know, her life taken from her in Auschwitz because she was Jewish, mm -hmm. but a convert to Catholicism and a Carmelite religious sister, you know, worked very uh, uh, rigorously in this area of, of the, the reality of the gift of who woman is, a right understanding of hers. And I think that, you know, as we continue to move forward um, in our culture at this day and time, we're, we're, I, I do believe that God raised up women of grace 20 years ago to, to put women of grace in a position to be effective now. Mm -hmm. And we're finding that we are having women from around the world that are participating in our studies because they have found that what the culture is teaching them, what the world is telling them, is not satisfying, it's not fulfilling. They've lived that life, many of them have, and found it to be wanting. And, and there's that longing. And, and depressing. Depressing. And there's a longing. There's yeah. an interior longing in each one of our souls to be who it is that God's created us to be. Uh, not, not some caricature or mockery, not some depiction, but, but to be the reality, uh, the way in which he wants to image himself in each one of us. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have that in us. Mm -hmm. We want to help women explore that and find that and live it. Mm -hmm. So we do it in a number of ways, but primarily through our studies, through our, our outreaches, um, you know, retreats and through uh, one-day conferences. Uh, we do it through spiritual formation. Much of our program involves this spiritual formation, this coming into a relationship with the Lord, uh, healing those wounds of the heart that our poor decisions and the decisions of others against us have caused to be there, uh, restoring that, that ideal. And of course, we have the most perfect model of the feminine ideal. Mm -hmm. We have Our Lady. Yeah. We have Our Blessed Mother. We yes. look at her and we say, ah, this this is who I'm called to emulate. This is the one that I am called to be like to the yeah. extent that I can. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful opportunity it is. Yeah, what I think the world is offering right now is 
to treat men and women as silly putty, mm -hmm. that you can shape it any way you want. It'll pick up whatever you, if you wrote, if playing with silly putty in the old days, if you put it on the newspaper, it'll pick up what's yeah. on the newspaper, but it's backwards. Yeah. And that's, a, to me, a good image of what they try to do. They say, it can be anything you want, but even when you pick up this fake image, it's backwards. Yeah. You, you, it, it, that's what they think of men and women. We yeah. think, no, 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 this is something that in each individual, there may be, and I think we have to own up, there may be discomfort by a number of people of what is expected of them as a woman. And there's a lot of men who are uncomfortable with the way that society expects them to act. And there's an absence of parents who don't pass on the genius of being a man to mm -hmm. their boys and the genius of being a woman to their girls. Mm -hmm. that, that's missing. But there is this quality that you, you don't treat like silly putty, it's you know, it, special. I think that that's a beautiful example and illustration. I think it's a beautiful uh, kind of, of metaphor for what we're experiencing today. And, you know, I'm thinking of the fact that we, we talked about, you know, that, that heresy of Gnosticism. We're living in a neo-Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, uh, you know, this, the, the notion that the, 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 the body uh, in true Gnosticism is evil and you want to be separated from it, mm -hmm. the only thing that matters is pure spirit. In the neo-Gnosticism, the body doesn't matter. Matter doesn't matter, right? Uh, and I think that that comes to us from the relativism that we're experiencing today, but also I think through the, the decisions that we have made as a society. You know, we, we go back to, 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 the, to the reality of abortion in our country. Think about this. I mean, what 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 is that saying? What statement is that making to young people today? What it's saying is, I don't really matter. I could have been aborted. My life doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. I don't matter. Therefore, nothing about me matters. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and so we have this, again, we have this separation, setting up a separation mm -hmm. between spirit and matter. We're yeah. a composite as human persons of body and soul. All of it matters. <laughs> it does. That's even the, the element of the resurrection of the dead, that I'll be raised up as a man. You'll be raised up as a woman. For all There's, eternity, that yeah, is who we will be. This, this is not merely, well, you know, uh, something that's no big deal. No, it matters for all eternity. God wanted you created and that your soul's created in, with the DNA of the XX or the XY for boys. And that's what God truly desires. And he desires it to exist for all eternity. Mm -hmm. While the world says, no, we can throw some of them away. And if we don't like the way it turns out, we'll just erase it. Yeah. Um, and there's more to it than that, too. There are other factors that I think all of us have to keep in mind, um, family factors that behind the transgender that are well, underemphasized. But mm -hmm. uh, this is something where we bring an antidote.
We have to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back in just a couple of minutes. I want to get some of your questions and your comments, so please stay with us. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with Johnette uh, Williams, and we're talking about women of grace, but also what it means to be a, a woman, and a Christian woman in particular. I want to get some of your questions, and we're going to start off with a question from our studio audience. Sir, where are you from? I'm from Waverly, Ohio. Good to have you. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. And what's your, your question or comment? My question is, having heard all of the discussion that you've had, how do we find our way out of the fog? Yeah. How do we get back to where women are women and men are men and there's no confusion? Or do we? Well, you know, uh, one of the situations that we have today that works against us is the fact that social media is so accessible to our teens and there's a decided movement afoot to uh, indoctrinate them uh, with these false ideologies. Uh, so we have a big task in front of us, but uh, you know, nothing is impossible with God, we read in sacred scripture, and prayer. But with prayer, you know, it's, it's that beautiful Benedictine uh, motto, you know, prayer and work, you know. Um, uh, so we need to be about the work of it. So we have to be very careful about how it is that we cast a vote. We also have to try to counter that message with materials for our young people that are good. Uh, we at Women of Grace are trying to do that with our young ladies. We have a Young Women of Grace program uh, that really emphasizes the great beauty and wonder of their authentic femininity. So I think, you know, when we look at what can we do to, to lift the fog, uh, we've got to begin to proclaim the truth and, and be bold about proclaiming the truth mm -hmm. uh, and, and not worry about public opinion, not worry about uh, social standing. Uh, the idea here is not to offend or insult, but it's never, never uh, a good idea to keep someone locked into a lifestyle that we know ultimately is detrimental to them. We must speak the truth and speak it in love at every opportunity that we have. I, I think uh, a minister friend of mine, Lewis, uh, had said very, very well that for every point somebody increases your fear, they reduce your intelligence by three points. And that's not scientific by any means, but it really gets at a, an issue. If they make us afraid to speak up yes. by canceling us, as a matter of fact, there just was a court case that came out yes. because the, uh, the present administration had been manipulating the, the, the social media Mm -hmm. to say only what uh, the administration wanted. And the judge said it was Orwellian. Mm -hmm. And in the Trump administration, 
the same thing was going on from the FBI and some of the other law enforcement, because uh, they had their own agenda with President Trump. And that all of that served to make us afraid to speak up. Yes. And the more we were afraid, the more they made us stupid. Yeah. And this is where we have to have courage. This is what you're telling ladies, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and I'm telling the men, men too. <laughs> well, <laughs> stand with us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Some no, of the but boys absolutely. On that. But it's, and, you, know, Jesus, it's, you have to you have to be courageous, not. Afraid. Well, Jesus says in sacred scripture, fear is useless. What is needed is trust. And uh, a dear person shared with me an acronym for the kind of fear that the evil one wants to use, and that uh, those that are engaged in, in policies and um, ideologies that are separated from the will of God and fall very far outside of sacred scripture and the teachings of the church, um, this is this kind of fear. It's false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. Jesus says what is needed is trust. And I I have my own little acronym for trust, true resolve under severe testing. Mm -hmm. True resolve. We will be severely tested. This culture is mm -hmm. testing us right Absolutely. now. But we have to have true resolve. This is when we need to dig deeply and begin to exercise those virtues of perseverance, those virtues of prudence, those virtues of constancy, and refuse to and allow ourselves to be silenced because mm -hmm. we have been called for this moment, Father Mitch, to uh, be proclaimers of the truth. Right. Uh, if it costs us our life, what does it matter if it costs us our life? What does it matter as long as the word of God goes out? I think of Mother Angelica, you know, when she started radio, you know, and they were telling her, oh, no, it's never going to work on this mountaintop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it did work. But Mother said, even if, if, if no one hears that message, that, 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 that signal that comes out, even if no one hears it, if, even if no one is listening, that word will still go into the heavenlies and it will affect that battle that's raging in the heavenlies. And as it says in sacred scripture, my word will not return to me void. And so the fact of the matter is we have to have that same kind of perseverance and strength and we have to proclaim the truth. Uh, and we might not be popular for it, but I'll tell you what, the only one that I care about is how I appear in the eyes of God, and we will be champions of our day and time. We have another question, a caller. Jennifer, you're calling from Cincinnati, Ohio? Yes, um, I have a, hi, I, I have a very brief question. Um, I've, I have a friend that I've been for 48 years, I'm 51 years old, and I've had two miscarriages whom I wanted to know. I have three living kids. And um, my friend, um, it's very painful to talk about, but to the point, I've known her a long time, and she has different views, and she told me that I was never really pregnant, so those miscarriages never really mattered. And you were discussing how, you know, your opinions and, and your thoughts do matter and how I reconcile that with, you know, and she's a good friend. She's a good person. And I think that she was just, I don't know, speaking in the moment, but those miscarriages that I had were very painful. And those babies, I wanted, you know, a great deal. And for a good friend to tell you that, you weren't really pregnant and they weren't really miscarriages because of her different views. It was very painful and just trying to reconcile that within myself. Yeah. 
Thank you, Jennifer, for sharing that. Yes. Well, Jennifer, I'm so sorry that you've gone through this. This is a very painful thing to lose a child that you deeply want and deeply desire, uh, and then to have that unacknowledged by someone who's so close to you uh, is just a, a, a further dagger in your heart. It's another mm -hmm. sword in your heart. Mm -hmm. um, you can rest assured, sweetheart, that you were truly pregnant. Uh, if the doctor said you were pregnant, you were pregnant. If there was a heartbeat, you were pregnant. You were pregnant with that baby. And that baby will have life for all eternity because at the moment of conception, God touches the womb of a woman and places into that union of sperm and egg an immortal soul. And that child, that child uh, will live for all eternity. And you will have an opportunity at some point in time to see this child that you carried. I would say this um, as far as the painful reconciliation, if, if you want to reconcile with this friend, and I would suggest that you uh, seek out um, uh, forgiveness for her. The best way to, to overcome these kinds of very serious pains of the heart that are caused by others is to pray for them. Pray for them. You know, Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. Well, our enemies sometimes are those that we love very dearly because they hurt us very deeply. So if you begin to pray, I can tell you, pray for her. And what happens when we pray for those that have hurt us, what happens is God's own love for them fills our heart. His love for them fills our heart. And we begin to see that person through the eyes of God. So you pray for her and you continue to uh, acknowledge the reality of, of your pregnancies and knowing that life begins at conception. Uh, and I'll tell you what I'll do, Jennifer. I'm going to just tuck you right into my rosary, honey. I'm putting you right into my rosary, and I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to be your spiritual sister in this, okay? So you're not going to be alone in this pursuit. Yeah, and I hope that at some point you'd be able to, in the quiet moments, not in, this isn't an angry yelling at her friend or something. It's in a quiet moment of seriousness mm -hmm. where you say, no, I don't know where your ideologies are coming from, but my baby was not an ideology. That's this right. baby was alive in me and it died and I'm grieving. That's right. You can't dismiss my grief. No. I wanted to meet them. I'll wait till heaven. I will meet them. But for you to dismiss my grief, I, I think you have to tell her, is itself um, like trying to tell somebody whose parents died that, well, they weren't, they didn't really care about you. I mean, it's just an absurdity. Yeah. It's an absurdity. But you have to let this person know in a quiet, serious moment. This is what that meant to me. Mm -hmm. I suspect that she's coming, the, the friend is coming from a place where maybe knew somebody who had an abortion or something, and they were trying to help them accept their action. That has nothing to do with you. That's right. You know better. I think that's a very important thing. We have another question from our studio. It's, ma'am, where are you from? I'm also from Cincinnati, Ohio. Must mm -hmm. be Ohio night. Yes, <laughs> it is. Guess um, it my is. question is, is why is this transgender ideology being pushed on our children in public schools? Not only the ideology, but the, the lack of privacy for 
for the, our girls in the restrooms, um, the inability to play sports without men overtaking their wins. Mm -hmm. What is, I, I just wanna know what's the political end game because mm -hmm. this isn't something that's always been and why is this happening mm. now? No. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent question. Thank you for it. You know, when we consider that, you know, there's all kinds of uh, theories on, on what this might be about, but I think that we touched on one of them. And I think that that is um, the activism of the population control lobby. Uh, there's a decided effort to reduce the number of individuals, and of course we see that happening through uh, the, the birth control pill, we see it happening through abortion, and now we're seeing it happening through the, the, the sterilization of, of our children through these uh, puberty blockers, et cetera, that are being uh, thrust upon them. Uh, so I think it's that. I, you know, I think that there's an element of that in there. Ultimately, I think we have to go beyond that, though, and we have to see this as part of something that we started to talk about at the beginning of the program. I think that this is an attack against the evil one. So if we look at this eschatologically, you know, we might say, well, you know, this could well be the evil one's last hurrah. This is his last attempt uh, to take out woman. Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a virulent battle. All of those battles that, that we see happening through spiritual warfare typically uh, come by way of, of human instruments. And so I think that we've got uh, a lot of that that's going on in the midst of you know, what we see with our eyes. There, there, I think there are a couple other things too. Uh, one, I'm gonna put some responsibility on parents in this regard. Uh, in a fairly informal study uh, of, of listening to boys' reports, less than 5% of boys learn about sex from their father. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect that it's a higher percentage of girls because of the changes that go on in the girl, their mother needs to explain a lot of more than, with, whereas with a boy, it may not seem as urgent. And fathers are not training their sons. And I don't think girls get enough training on, from their mothers about sexuality. And in, that absence and that vacuum, the schools are doing it. The schools are you know, giving sex education courses and now they're acting as advocates for them so that if a parent objects either to the uh, pronoun that a child wants to use as taught by somebody else, or if the parent objects to a child starting the process of changing gender, or so-called changes, then the state can remove the child from the parent's custody mm -hmm. in two of our states and in Canada. This is uh, at least two states, there might be more now, but. Um, this is where in, in the vacuum of parental involvement in this very important part of life, 
this, uh, many of the teachers and the teachers union are bringing out a sexual uh, program. Uh, you know, one of the suggested readings, uh, two books su suggested by the teachers union, the NEA, for this summer are books on uh, homosexuality. This is something that is their own acting like knights and ladies coming to the rescue of these poor kids that I love you more than your parents do, which, you know, I hope not is not the case. Well, I think basically we, we're talking about end games here. Mm -hmm. And I think that the end game is to separate the child from the parent. Yep. It's always been the goal of public education. John Dewey was a, you know, signed the Humanist Manifesto. So the, the idea here was always to separate the children, to indoctrinate them to an ideology that the state wanted. You know, go back to 1917, go back to Fatima. Mm -hmm. You know, Our Lady said, pray the rosary every day lest Russia spread its errors, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the error was, was the whole communist philosophy, which was to separate the child from the parent, to make the child uh, indoctrinated to indoctrinate the child with uh, the 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 ideology of the state and to put mm -hmm. the child into you know the, the labor force mm -hmm. uh, and of course if you look at uh, what uh, uh, communism ushered in through the Bolshevik Revolution it, they instituted three things right away one was abortion at any point in time of pregnancy. The other was no-fault divorce right mm -hmm. uh, and um, the third of course was was a, a complete uh, clamping down on religion. Uh, so uh, here we are, and, and we see that, that that ideology has been perpetrated here in the United States of America. Let me add one other factor. A lot of folks don't know. The first gay pride parade was in Moscow in May of 1918. There you go. It was just months after the Bolshevik Revolution. And after Our Lady's prediction in Fatima. And the other thing about that is Stalin used these gays in the parades and su such to about 1926. And then when they were no longer useful, he clamped down on them. Mm -hmm. And they, he looked upon many folks as useful idiots. Mm -hmm. The press, he called them useful idiots, the Western press, that is. And I think he had the same attitude toward homosexuals. And once he was done with them, clamped down and tried to put a stop to it. Mm -hmm. But they were useful for a point of breaking down family and then, no, get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, he saw them as a tool. And they suffered a lot because of that. Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't commend that either. We have another question from our studio audience. Ma'am, where are you from? Well, I'm from Minnesota, but originally North Dakota, coming from, once again, Ohio today. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a great, great state. So what's your question? Thank you for having us here sure. this evening. I'm really enjoying it. Um, as a mother and as a grandmother, I guess my question is this. What do we do? Where do we find... Um, what we need in order to help our daughters, help our sons, help help the children nowadays. There's so much on social media, and there's so much on TV, and there's so much in the music and the video games. 
step by step, when they're small, they're babies, where do we start? Mm-hmm. As I was growing up, you know, I was called a tomboy, but that was okay. Yeah. You know, um, if we don't have EWTN, which is an awesome resource, what other resources do you recommend for us? Sure. As, as parents and grandparents raising our children in this, these times. Let me just toss off to this real quickly. Women of Grace itself has a lot of resources yes. for women and you know, adolescent girls yes. to, to start. Why don't you begin there? Okay, yes, and so I would, I would encourage you to go out to our website, womenofgrace.com, and you'll see what, what it is that we do offer. Uh, part of what we're working towards is, again, spiritual formation and helping to women understand the great gift that she is via her feminine genius. So our materials all tend in that direction. Uh, and also there's that healing component uh, that's in there. So, you know, it says, um, uh, St. Paul writes in, in, uh, in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to this age, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you might know what is God's will, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. So the idea is we begin with the renewal of our mind, right? Uh, but the greatest resource that you have is you. You are the greatest resource for your children and the greatest resource for your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So you talk with them and talk with them frankly. I always recommend reading the lives of the saints to the children, you know, giving them high ideals, you know, um, uh, great men and women of the faith to emulate and to live up to. And, you know, n- be certain to point out to them, you know, look at this beautiful, wonderful, lovely woman, you know, St. Agnes, as a little girl, she honored God in so many ways. And, and to talk with them about, about these realities, because if we don't speak to them, the culture will. And the culture has an advantage because the culture has their ear and the culture has our classrooms. Unfortunately, even some of our Catholic classrooms. Yes. So we have to be vigilant for sure. I, th- I think that, uh, that those kind of conversations, even something as simple as having the evening meal together. Yes. Where all kinds of conversations go on that you cannot plan. It's not a program. It's what comes up in conversation that mom and dad share. But one of the things I'm afraid we have to share is a lack of time. Oh. The evening meal might be able to go longer. <laughs> we can't. I want to thank you for being here. I recommend people go to womenofgrace.com and you can watch the programs of Women of Grace anytime. Thank you for being with us, and may Almighty God bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and lead you in all of your ways by His peace. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We can bring you this program and Women of Grace and all the other shows because this network is brought to you by you. So please remember to keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill, and we'll be able to pay all of our bills too. Thank you all, and thank you, Johnette. Thank you, God bless.